Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Last week, Ross talked about one of the vineyard distinctives um, that is a part of the association of churches that we we partner with, and that's partnering with the Holy Spirit. This is a a distinctive uh, of the vineyard movement that I really love. I love seeing people who are committed to allowing the Holy Spirit to lead them and to watch the way the Holy Spirit moves in powerful ways among our congregation. It's awesome to see people healed. It's awesome to see marriages restored. And and I'm just so grateful for all of the testimonies that we have here at Quest because we choose to partner with the Holy Spirit. So I want to say thank you for, um, for surrendering to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this church because it's been powerful to hear some of those stories. Now this week we're going to talk about a different vineyard distinctive and and um, when Ross and I planned this series of standalone messages we weren't planning on tying them together but it's clear that God wants us to speak about this and and so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it but today we're going to talk about what it means when we say everybody plays. Everybody gets a chance to do the work of the kingdom ministry, and it's, and it's a gift to us because we get to partner with him in what he's doing here in this community, not only here at Quest, but also in Westerville and New Albany. And, and, uh, and so um, it, I'm, I'm excited to talk a little bit about this idea of everybody plays. Now, if you'd like a much more in-depth a sermon series about Everybody Plays, I want to encourage you to go online to our website, go to quest.org, go to our media link. There is a sermon series called Not on the Sidelines that we did, I think it was last year, right? It was kind of recent, Um, but it's it's a pack full of different messages about how we do this ministry as a community, a body of believers who are all gifted by God to do it. So I encourage you to go there and listen to it. But today, we're going to talk a little bit more surface level. It doesn't mean we're not going to go deep. It just means we're going to talk about why we believe this is something that um, is important for our church, to say that everybody plays. So, so why, do we, why do we elevate this, and what does it look like when we do elevate it as a church? So those are the things we're going to talk about today, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. If you know me really well, you understand that I'm going to get a little emotional today because this is something that I think is powerful, it's fun, it's exciting. Uh, if you don't know me today, please offer me grace because I might yell and scream and cry and do all kinds of other stuff. And, and uh, now you're like, oh, I can't wait for this. Put on my camera. No, don't do that. I'm not going to do that. But anyway, this concept, everybody plays, is deeply woven into the biblical text. And it's so awesome to read how from the very beginning of the creation of the earth, God had put this into the fabric of who we are. It's it's part of the created order, and it's a part of our lives today. And and, uh, so today, I want you to open your Bibles up with me. We're going to be first in 1 Peter 2, 9. Let me say that again so you're clear about that. The first scripture that we're going to look at is 1 Peter 2, 9, and uh, so you can go ahead and open up there, but we're going to be all over the text today because this is, this is not only a New Testament principle, but it's also an Old Testament principle, and so I encourage you, get your pens out, get your highlighters out, take some notes, um, write in your Bibles. This is a great, um, this is fun. So let me read this scripture for us today. 1 Peter 2, 9 reads this way, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood 
a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here Peter is reminding the group of people that he's writing to in this letter. It's a group of Jewish people who aren't living in their homeland. They've been dispersed out. And he's reminding them who they are, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. And he's reminding them what their mission is, to partner with God in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you guys, if you have some time throughout this week, go home, read the entire letter of 1 Peter, uh, because it is packed with some awesome stuff. It is a powerful book for us to read and, and to understand who we are as followers of, Christi- uh, of Christ. Um, and, and, but I want to encourage you, too, as you read, it's... It, Peter is is such a smart guy. I know that a lot of people make fun of Peter. I don't know. No one knew him. I don't know why they make fun of him, but they make fun of him because he's, oh, that guy's kind of like funny. He asks weird questions and things. This dude was smart, okay? And this this letter of 1 Peter is just laced with all of this Old Testament truth bombs over and over. And so I encourage you, if, um, if you do read it, to... To grab a companion guide. This one's from N.T. Wright. This is certainly one that I would encourage everyone to, to check out. Um, N.T. Wright writes a whole series for the New Testament. And this one in particular is called The Early Christian Letters for Everyone. You can buy it on Amazon. Um, and if you do, I want to encourage you to use the Amazon Smile thing on there where you can actually donate a portion of the money that you use to buy this to Quest. Um, you guys know that, right? Amazon Smile has this great thing where you can give money to Quest. That's cool. Do it. Um, Uh, But if you don't want to buy it, that's okay. Just come by my office and I'll let you borrow the church's copy of it. But it's a great companion guide uh, to to read read about this. Because Peter, what he does throughout this letter is he references the Old Testament throughout. And a lot of us don't necessarily understand it. I know it helps me to read something along with it. But but ultimately what Peter's saying in this 1 Peter 2.9 text is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not, should not, and cannot... Um, uh, be limited to only the New Testament. In fact, another way to say this, I heard someone else say this recently, uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't begin in John 18. And that's the passage where Jesus is handed over to the Roman guards. He's tortured, beaten, crucified, put into a, a, a tomb after he's dead, and then resurrected three days later. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not only about that. Of course, that's the anchor for it. That's, that's the, the focal point of the gospel. But the true gospel of Jesus Christ really goes back to John chapter 1, verse 1. And that, that reads this way. It says this, in the beginning. So really, what, what just stop, sorry. Stop here for a second. What John is, is, is saying, the gospel of John is saying, when he says in the beginning, he's really even saying, this goes back all the way to Genesis 1. Verse 1, where it first says, in the beginning, right? Well, John 1 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And that marvelous light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's the gospel of Jesus right there. That is powerful from the very beginning of creation. And Peter was, was telling his, his people this, that the, the gospel of Jesus goes further back than just the New Testament. 
He knows that the first commission of God, and we're we're familiar with the Great Commission, right? We read about it in Matthew 28. There's another version in Mark 16, one in Luke 24, another in John 20, and also in Acts 1. The Great Commission. These were commissions for the disciples of Jesus to go out, partnerships to go um, out with God to share the good news. But every single one of those commissions... Every single one of those that we read about is reminiscent of the original commission that God gave to the Israel, Israelite people at the foot of Mount Sinai. When God said through Moses to the people, go out and share the gospel. That, that might challenge some people right there. Okay, Old Testament gospel, ooh, it doesn't make sense. No, this is an Old Testament principle, okay? Go out and share the gospel with the world. So let's, let's turn there. Let's turn to the Old Testament and read about this. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to pop back over to Exodus 19, okay? So whoa, all the way back over. Exodus 19, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. I'm going to skip a couple of the verses here because they're, they're important, but they're not necessary for today. Exodus 19, verse 1, begins this way. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. And Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. It's a dark picture. Thankfully. I'm sorry. I don't, never mind. Okay. Uh, okay. What I've seen to the and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession. Sounds very much like First Peter now. Uh, You shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all of the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Peter's quoting from this passage in Exodus. He's quoting from this moment with the Israelites right before God gives them the commandments. So that they can live a holy life. He's telling them, you are a royal priesthood. You are a kingdom of priests. You're set apart. You are set apart for a purpose. And and that purpose is proclaiming, as 1 Peter says, the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. The gospel message has always been about one thing, bringing people who are in darkness, who are in captivity, who are broken, who are slaves, bringing them out of that darkness into light, into freedom, into wholeness, into order. And and it's so great because that's what happens in the Genesis 1 account with creation. We we look at God who's looking down over everything and, and he sees the world and it's in chaos. It's, it's in, in this turmoil. It's broken. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. Read it. And, 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 and what God does is he, he takes that chaos and he puts it into order. He restores it to order. He gives it order. He fills it up. He gives it purpose, creation, you and I. This is what he's doing. It's what John 1 is referring to. 
And when God brings those Israelites out of literal slavery in Egypt, broken life, enslaved life, God is freeing them. He's not just taking them out of slavery that is is physical, but he's also freeing them, giving them spiritual freedom. He frees them and he gives them this mission. And the mission that he gives them is to be his priests. Now, this is a really cool idea and and just a sweet concept, okay? So what is a priest? A priest is a person who mediates between God and man. A person who who is kind of the go-between, who meets with God and then goes back to man and says, this is what God is saying, okay? And and so I think often, a lot of times as Christians, we overlook the meaning of this. We don't understand necessarily what a royal priesthood means. That means that there's this kingdom, this, this king who's in charge of us, and we are his priests. We are the people who mediate between God and man. Whoa! I mean, that's crazy. Let's read 1 Peter 2, 9 again. So we, we can remember this. And, and I know that, that Peter's reading, writing it to, to, the, to the Jews who were dispersed at that point. But it's also written to us as Christians. And I'll explain that later, why it is to us. But he says this again, just a reminder. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All Christians. Every one of us who says we are a follower of Jesus is called to this mission. Every single one of us is called to this mission. Now here's the thing about this, is that when, when, when God calls people to mission, when, and, and we see this throughout the Bible, when he calls people to mission, there's usually this moment of preparation before they're actually sent out, before they have to go. For instance, we look at Moses. When, when, when God calls out to Moses and, and he says, this is what you're going to go do, Moses, his life of, of preparation, it starts in the desert, right? Between Egypt and, and well, hold on. Uh, yeah, between, between Egypt and Sinai, there's these 40 days in the desert. And there's 40 years in the desert before they get to the promised land. When we look at Jesus' own life, he spends 40 days in the desert as well in preparation for the ministry that he's got. All of the disciples, they had three years of preparation with Jesus before they were sent out to start the church that we read about in the book of Acts. All of these times there's this, this preparation. In fact, Paul... One of the greatest apostles of all time. Before he started his mission, before he went out on all these different missionary journeys, he spent three years in the desert of Paran, which is the same place where the Israelites were wandering around for these 40 years. Same place, preparing himself for the mission that God has called him to. But here's the thing. When we're called to, as priests, just like the Israelites were, and the first century Christians were, we have to have this, this preparation. And I want to ask you this question this morning. As a Christian who is called to mission, to proclaim the excellencies of the one who has brought us in to this marvelous light, called us out of darkness, how have you been prepared? What have you been doing to get ready for the mission that God has called you to? This is so great because um, I think a lot of times this, this idea that we're going to be mediators between God and we're called on mission and we've got to do all this preparation, it can, be, it can freak us out. And, and, but I love the way God makes it 
doable for us, right? Here's what he does for the Israelites. Do you know what, what, how he instructed the Israelites um, priests uh, to go and do their mission? The first thing he does is he says, tell your children about the stories that I have done for you, the things that I have done for you. When you're, when you're, um, when, when you're going to bed, pray about um, the things and, and tell them these stories. When you're eating, tell them about it. When you wake, when you walk, when you do all of this stuff, tell your children about this. Tell them. That's how you are a priest to the people. He also says when they, when they crossed out over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, this river that's in flood, he says, build an altar so you can remember what I've done for you right there. Every time you pass that altar, you see it, you can tell your kids. Tell them, this is what I've done for you. And I think, I think a lot of times um, when, we, when we're called to mission, we freak out and, and, and we, we, just, we forget the kind of work that God has already done in our lives. We forget the way that he's provided for us, how he's cared for us, how he's loved us, how he's been merciful to us. We forget those things. And so we, we, don't, we don't know how to effectively share the testimony of God. But here's the great thing. See, I think Moses is a good example of this. When God called him to mission in Exodus chapter 3, do you guys know what Moses said to God at first? So he's walking along and he sees this burning bush and it's not being consumed by fire. And God says, Moses, whoa, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. You guys know that story. And then God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. I didn't do that in the first service. So you just got extra. It's good. So God says to Moses, this is what I want you to do. Do you know what Moses says to God? Who, who am I to do this? Who, who am I to be the person that you're going to send out? And, and here's God's response. And this is so cool because this, we all need to hear this. God says, don't worry about who you are. I'm going with you. I will be with you on this mission. And that's the same message that we have as Christ followers. Jesus told us when he left the earth, behold, I'm going to send you who? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. We have God at work, alive inside of us. So when we're sent out on mission, we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about it. And there's an easy way to do it because he says, just tell my stories, people. That's what we're called to do. I'm sorry. I got to get back to my manuscript. <laughs> None of that was in the first. <laughs> There's this cool thing though that that God does. He says, He says, I need you to remember those stories, the ways that I have been your God. I've been faithful to you. I've cared for you. I have provided for you. And so he says to the Israelites, because he knows that as a people, not just the Israelites, but all of us humans, we are forgetful beings. We, we just are, he calls us sheep for a reason. I'll tell you why, because sheep are dumb. And, uh, I'll say that about me. If it's true about you too, whatever. But, um, he says this, and this is a, we find this in Numbers 15. He says, you're going to forget, and so I'm going to try and give you a reminder. On your clothing, I want you to, to tie these things to the four corners of your garments. And they were, they were called, um, well, they're tassels. They're called tzitzit, okay? And that's, that's, what, that's what these are right here. This is a, a prayer shawl that I have. I don't use it. I just like it. It's really cool. Um, and uh, it's a reminder of what God has called us to as, as a holy. I'm not going to put it on. <laughs> Because it would look really funny. You want me to, right? Yeah, okay. I'm so glad. 
All right, we're having fun now. This is good. So, so this is this is a prayer shawl. It's a little different than than what um, God's talking about in Numbers 15, because what He said was actually to tie these these tassels here, right here, tie them to the to the four corners of your robe. Okay, there's a picture of someone actually wearing these. Jewish devout Jewish men still wear these uh, to this day. There's a little bit of a difference. Um, You'll see the picture in a minute. And so uh, in number 14, though, he says, tie these to, to the four corners of your garments. And they have these knots in them that are meant to remind the people of what God has done for them. It reminds them of the Torah, the, the first five books of the Bible. And, and, and he's saying every time, every time that you touch them, every time that you, that, you, that, you, that you see them or experience them, remember what I've done for you. Do we have that picture yet? Oh, there it is. Okay. This is, now this is an interesting picture. This is a more contemporary version right here. And uh, this, you'll notice, is they're all white. And, um, and the, the ones that God talks about in Numbers uh, 15 actually have what's supposed to be a blue cord in them. You see that blue cord right there? This is what they were supposed to look like. And it's different these days, and that's okay. There's no big deal. But here's why this blue cord exists. By the way, like, so these, these tassels, I don't wear them ever, but um, I know that, that like when they're down, they, they get in the way all the time. They're in front of the people. They're behind the people. They're always like tripping over them or getting them caught in a door or, you know, something like that. They're always in front of them. Or, and I, I could imagine if I, if I was wearing them like that, all the time, and I was nervous, you know, when I'm, I have to go into Ross's office and talk to him about something crazy. <laughs> Ross, you won't believe what I bought this week. <sighs> Don't worry, it's a great game. I, I, would, I would probably be nervously fiddling with these, right? That's what, and, and it reminds me of who God is. And it's like, it's like you, know, you know, we think the fidget spinner is awesome. Like, this is the original fidget spinner right here. There's nothing, nothing new under the sun constant reminder of God. The reminder of his covenant with the people. The reminder of of what he's done. They wear it on their garments everywhere they go, all the time. And when God said for them to tie them under their garments, he said, put this cord of blue inside of them. Now this is why this is cool. And this isn't explicitly stated in the Bible. But the only other people that God ever commanded to wear blue. You read about it later in Numbers. It's the priests that were a part of the tabernacle. Whenever the priests were to offer the sacrifices for the people, so the people could experience forgiveness from God, God says, priests, I want you to wear blue. I want you to wear blue. God is saying to these people, you're a part of this kingdom. You're my chosen people. And you get to declare who I am to the people around you. This is, this is what's awesome. God is calling them to be priests. So this is the, this is the first time in history when God has, um, has said, I want you to build a tabernacle for me. And this was this tent of places hot. I sweat without this. I don't need that. Thank you. It's a blessing. Um, so God has them. He instructs them to, to build this tabernacle. And, um, and this is the very place 
where God lives, where he resides. You've heard me talk about this in the past. But this is the place where when people needed forgiveness, they would go to the tabernacle, they would interact with the priest, they would bring this this animal for sacrifice, and the priest would prepare it so that it could be uh, given to God, burned on this altar, and then the priest would come out and say, "You're, you're forgiven. Your sins are clean. I don't know if you know the story about the ten lepers in the New Testament when, when there's these ten lepers who, who are walking along the road and Jesus sees them and he heals them. Do you remember what they did, nine of them anyway, after they were healed? They went straight to, the, to, to their priests because the priests were the ones that declared them clean said you can rejoin community. You can go back and be a part of your family now that you're clean. It was the priests who did that. The priest's responsibility within the kingdom was to essentially tell the people, God has forgiven you. They're the mouthpiece of God's forgiveness. They're the mouthpiece of God's grace. They're the ones who proclaim the grace of forgiveness that God has for the people, the priests. And so when he calls us, his priests, when he says, you are a kingdom of priests, our responsibility is to go out into a world who has no idea what God is like, and we declare what he's doing. We declare that he is love. We declare that he is righteous. We declare that he is forgiveness. We declare that he is mercy. We declare these things. That's our responsibility as a priest. So here's the thing. People can't see God. And so they look to the priest to understand who God is. And so that priest has to live those characteristics and qualities of God. If God is loving, what does the priest have to be? Loving. If a God is righteous, what does that priest have to be? Righteous. If God is forgiving, what does that priest have to be? What happens? What happens when the priest isn't those things? Then the world gets a flawed picture of who God is. That's convicting. We have a responsibility as the priesthood of believers to live the characteristics, the qualities of God. Put it on display for the people. We are are the royal priesthood. We have access to God and we choose to draw close to him, to pray with him, to gather with other believers, to learn about him, to study his word, to know his stories. As Christians, we know what God is like. We are his priests. So are we representing him well? I want you to listen to this passage in Isaiah 52, 7. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorites in, in all of the text, the entire biblical text. And I would encourage you, if, if, um, if, if you want a challenge today to go home and do something, my challenge to you would be to go memorize this verse. And, and here's the reason why. I love this verse because it's declaring, first of all, this is a preamble. Like if you read all of Isaiah 52, you'll realize that this is leading up to a description of who Jesus is and what he does when he comes to earth. It is, this is powerful, but it's also, it is also a description of what happens whenever we declare who God is. When we say, God, you reign, the world sees it. So let's read this together. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news. That's the gospel. Which, and let me, let me just say this real quickly. 
in the, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, the word for good news right there is the same word that they use for gospel in the New Testament, same Greek word. So when I said earlier that gospel is an Old Testament thing, this is, this is an example of it right here. This is, where, this is where gospel happens, okay? So how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the gospel, who publishes peace, who brings gospel of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I love that last line right there. Whose voice is saying this? Is that God saying your God reigns? No. Is it Isaiah saying your God reigns? No. This is an outsider. This is someone who's not a part of Zion. That's Jerusalem. That's the kingdom of God. This is someone who's on the outside, who's heard the gospel, who's seen the gospel displayed by his priests, and is saying your God reigns. And eventually what you'll see is this person says, my God reigns. They become a follower of the king because of the gospel. And this is what we are called to do. I love this verse. I love it. How beautiful is the message, which is not just words, but actions that we get to show the world who God is by how we live, by how we're peaceful, by how we're joyful, by how we reach out and we help others who are in a time of need to live like God is the ruler of our lives is living the gospel. Each and every one of us carries a message of Christ with us. And this is what I love about the fact that everybody plays is that every single one of us gets to say that message in our own way because we're all gifted differently. We're all different, thankfully, right? Some of us proclaim that God reigns by teaching it. Some of us proclaim that God reigns by singing it. Some of us proclaim that God reigns by by dancing it, by drawing it, by doing whatever, by being a mother who loves her children, by by leading in our, our workplace when we know that God reigns. A church that is a community of priests, we have a responsibility to remind ourselves who we are in Christ and live that way in every area of our life. So the question I want to uh, wrap up with today is what will you put in your life? What will you put in place in your life so that you're reminded every day of who God is for you? So that when you go out, so that when you go out, you remember that he reigns and you demonstrate that to the people around you so that your life says that God reigns. What are you doing to put God on display? I'm going to have the band come on up. Actually, I'm going to have everyone stand up. Let's all stand up. We're going to wrap up this way with a prayer. If you want to live your life on mission from God. The way that God has called you to is Christian. So I'm assuming that you guys are Christians. If you're not, it's okay. Hopefully you'll see God on display today and you'll say, I want that in my life. And you can move from your God reigns to this is my God too. But today, let's pray that, that we might be a people who are willing to allow God to reign in all of the different areas of our lives. Because I know that we have so many, we're a a multifaceted people, right? We've got all these little compartments, at least I do, I'm sure most of us do, where where we say, this is what I do here, 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 and here. The goal is to let God reign in all of those places, in our family, in our work, in our finances, 
in our entertainment, the way that we treat the people around us, the way that we treat our enemies, how we live, all of those ways to say our God reigns. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to pray this prayer. And if you're willing to, to join with me, then I want you just to, to pray yourself. Hold your hands out. We, we, we like to pray in this way as a vineyard church because it's a, it's a like position of reception. It doesn't mean anything special. It just means we're kind of surrendering. We're making ourselves open to what God may want to do in our lives. So if, if you're interested in saying, I, I want to be on mission with you, God. I want to be your priest. I want to proclaim your goodness around me. And I want to allow you to reign in all of those small parts of my life turn them over to you. And just pray this with me. Lord, I surrender. I surrender those parts of my life that, God, that you love, that you've created. I let you bring order and peace to those places. I let you bring purpose to them. I surrender them to you. Come, Holy Spirit, show us how we can surrender our lives fully to you so that we can live out your gospel mission to the world around us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Jesus. God, we love you. We want you to reign in our lives. We want you to be the king of every area of our lives. Areas that we don't want to surrender, Lord, we say take them, take them. We surrender them to you. Come, Holy Spirit, reign. Come, Jesus, reign. Come, Father God, reign. Reign in our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.